4: I know I'm a first-round talent, but, you know, you can never beat what God has planned for you. And God, you know, wanted me to play for my home city. And um, so that's what I'm going to do. I'm embracing it. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm grateful. I'm thankful for be in this position I'm in now. And now it's just about, you know, getting to work. Um, I talked to
5: Coach Donovan. Um, you know, we talked. Uh, we had a great conversation. I'm just excited to, to, to work and, you know, be the best player I can be.
6: Just how good is that best? That's I.O. That's the Bears, Bulls draft pick. We've talking so much Bears lately. That is the Bulls draft pick. There was a party. They were, uh, they had a second round pick. The event was so big that Mark's BFF Chance the Rapper showed up. That's
7: how big it was, Mark. That's that's pretty huge. Yeah, it wasn't. Uh, it was about a year ago. Well, not even a year ago. Mm. But I was just walking in the the neighborhood here in Chicago, and there there was Chance the Rapper who lives in the neighborhood with his girlfriend, and uh, a cute little kid. And I just said, hey. He said, hey. And uh, we went out our ways. So, yeah, he's my guy. Yep.
6: (laughs) Let's find out what the big deal was about what the Bulls did. We go to the Scores Hotline. Scores Hotline is presented by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. And we welcome to our airwaves the biggest, most knowledgeable Illinois honk we know score producer, but he's an Illinois honk, and that needs to come first. He is Herb Lawrence. Herb, thanks for coming on today. How are you doing, dude?
4: Doing well, gentlemen. Thank you for having us on. Me on. I'm having a great day. And Illinois honk, that's a compliment, right? It
7: is,
6: yeah. <laughs> right. What is a honk? What, is that,
7: what does that mean? What's a honk? Is that enthusiast? What is a honk?
6: Well, it's probably a cleaner version of other words I could use about someone who is, <laughs> who is <clears throat> cheering, who is... Flying the flag of said school, in this case, Illinois. And Got it. IO gets drafted, and we, I don't know, it sounded like a first round talent went in the second round to the Bulls. Why don't you, what, what did you think of draft night? Let's start there, Herb.
4: I thought that IO, and I think a betting lines even had it. He was at 26 and a half, so we can go over or under where you thought mm. he was going to get drafted. I thought early 20s it would be a steal if he felt the the backside of the first draft first round of the draft i was like okay not great but he'll be in a great situation probably with the bucks or somewhere where he'll be on an instant winner when he went to the second round i was livid that guy is a consensus all-american played at illinois for three years dominated played with Kobe White at the under-18 championships where they won gold together. And he's actually a month older than Kobe White, to tell you how young that uh, Bulls backcourt will be next year. But when I saw the opportunity of 38 coming up, I was like, there's no way that those teams see that a first-round talent gets passed and somebody doesn't move up or one of the teams in front of the Bulls just select him. And when I saw Michael Jordan in front of him, I was like, nah, Michael." He's going to pick some dumb player where he's not going to turn out to be anything. So I was very confident (laughs) that the Bulls and AK, which doesn't have sentimentality in his heart, Mm -hmm. he is about the players. For only having one pick in that draft, being the 38th pick overall, getting Io is an absolute steal. He's a consensus All-American, won the Bob Cousy Award for best point guard in college. He's going to maybe not be a superstar in the NBA He'll be a long-time contributor because he's just a baller. He's awesome.
7: So, so Herb, then what do you think scouts saw that deterred them from telling their respective general managers that, eh, you may want to stay away from this kid in the first round?
4: The only thing I can think about is that he is the jack-of-all-trades, the master of none, so he doesn't do anything particularly well. Doesn't shoot the three particularly well, even though he shoots it at 39%. He doesn't drive like to the basket, all that you know, 100% elite. But he does it at a great level. He's elite on the transition, so he'll score you buckets and makes the correct decision on the transition. Plays an exceptional defense, but he's six five. And he's not 6'9, a 6'9 point guard. A lot of these people who are going in front of him were just projects. They have the height, weight, size that people are looking for. And they're just like, okay, you've been in school for three years. There must be something wrong with your game. Good prospects only spend a year or two in college. Why'd you spend three? So I don't know. You got to ask those uh, scouts why they passed on them. But one the thing I know about Iodusumu and his family, they're going to take that to heart. And they're going to make it personal. And he's a guy that loves coaching, loves hard coaching. So what you're going to see from Io is a raw NBA product coming in. But he's going to be chiseled at the end of his rookie season. He's going to excel at the end of his rookie season. Everybody's going to be he's going to be one of everybody's favorite players. If you're a Bulls fan out there, because he just does everything right. And I don't know if his game necessarily translates to NBA superstar but it translates to NBA contributor, top rotation tr- contributor,
6: 100%. Our guest is Herb Lawrence, the scores very own Herb Lawrence, and a uh, <clears throat> an Illinois honk meant in a complimentary way because he's all about the Illini. So the the one the the lack of one great talent at the expense of others versus a multi-dimensional guy, especially somebody who likes to work. I mean I heard a lot of people on draft night and in post draft writings say that this seemed like a thibs guy because oh of his goodness. his willingness to work, his willingness to be coached, as you said, somebody who wants to get better at whatever the cost is and the sweat equity is what he's willing to invest. How based on what you've seen and it's only one year here with with Billy Donovan, how do you think that works. How do you think? Where do you think Billy Donovan makes the biggest impression? If if IO is going to improve and become that NBA a distributor, a player, a, a top six contributor,
4: I think Billy Donovan and how, the way he brings uh, offenses along. I remember Shea Gilgis Alexander was in LA, lost. He got over there with Billy Donovan one year. You saw the progression from a player who was a lottery pick and failed mostly out in L.A. with the Clippers, went to Oklahoma City, developed his game, and became one of a nice dynamic players to what everybody's coveting now. So he's not of Shea Gilgis-Alexander's athleticism or talent, but he's I say he's that or Drew Holiday. So he'll get that type of effort out of Io Dusumu, uh, and he'll bring exactly what Io can bring to the table out of him because – He's not afraid of getting yelled at. If Billy's a yeller, I'll wants that. He If he does something wrong, he wants the correction immediately. So many of the players of nowadays think their stuff doesn't stink. Io knows that for him to get to greatness, he needs people to correct him when he's wrong. And he needs to perfect those things. He was a poor shooter when he got to Illinois. and his second year, really bad. NBA scouts told him, hey, work on your three-point shot. He went from a 30% shooter to a 40% shooter from the three-point line. He loves that. He wants to do that. He understood the line I were more of a small team. Kofi and Georgie aside, he was the third rebounder, third leading rebounder in that team and had like two or three triple doubles this past year because his team needed it. That's all he does. He sees the problem with the team. He needs to fill it. He works on his game and he gets better, and I wouldn't be surprised if he is in one of those Rising Stars games, and at the end of the year, he's one of the highest vote-getters for Rookie of the Year. He's that good. Well, and, yeah, and, and Brad Elderwood, the head coach of
7: the Illini, he he was a yeller, so obviously mm-hmm. he embraced it there. You mentioned Kofi Coburn. Good that he's coming back to the Illini, but the guy I want to ask you about is Andre Curbelo. Herb, could he be a star in college basketball?
4: He's absolutely that. The thing that he needs to fix is, well, ball handling. Like, he needs to control the ball a little bit more, take the turnovers down, and his shooting. He fixes those two things. He's going to be a superstar. He's already wow. throwing out the first pitch at Wrigley as a freshman who came off the bench for the Illini team. <laughs> He's got an electric personality, passes for days, sees things that other players don't see. And he, when you see that, you know, when you see the talent and you recognize it early as a freshman he's gonna be like everybody's favorite player like d brown was probably mr illinois if andre cabello stays three to four years which i don't know if he will because he's that good he will be one of the most electrical line players and probably a lot of people's favorite players when he leaves this because he's just that that great and he's very bubbly his personality is very effervescent
6: our guest is Herb Lawrence of the score. We're talking Bulls draft, we're talking IO, we're talking about Illinois. So how disappointing was last year? Where does it rank? How how <clears throat> how
4: does it not? How does it get better this year, I guess I should ask. Hunger, just embarrassment. That Loyola team should not have beaten Illinois. They didn't show up. Brad Underwood didn't show any adjustments to what they were doing to them. What Illinois needs to do is Watch that tape. Feel the embarrassment, feel the hurt, feel the pain, because there's nothing more crushing than losing to your hometown or home state uh, school that isn't as good as you. When you had aspirations for the final four, you're getting out in the second round. Make it hurt. And Kofi's coming back. Trent's coming back. Demonte's coming back. And we got some players like Plummer, who's a dead eye three point shooter from Utah, coming and transferring and some other players that are pretty decent. I just want them to feel that pain that they had versus Loyola, and that'll drive them to greatness. They're a top-five team when Kofi came back. They have a lot of returning starters. I think Io and Adam Miller, who's a freshman who transferred out to LSU, uh, are the only starters not coming back, but their top-six rotation or top-eight rotation, only Io and Adam Miller are not coming back. Oh, no, sorry. I forgot. Georgie Bishanisvili is also gone, but they have a lot of people who are – experienced either in NCAA or with the Illini themselves. I think this team can go farther than the IO-led team just because Kofi's just a force. There's nobody in the league that can stop him. Absolutely so- nobody. And he'll be working on his NBA game because that's where he wants to go. So his game will expand from not just a bruiser like Shaq, but he'll probably uh, step out for a couple mid-range jumpers and get his game right completely. So, so to be clear, you say they're, they're top five, like when the preseason poll comes out, they're at least top five, top 10 AP, or did you mean Big Ten? No, they're top five AP in the nation. Nice. They're that good. And there's a lot of Big Ten teams in that top 10 also, so it's going to be a slog like last year, but Illinois, as you saw at the end of the year, came out on top of the Big Ten in the tournament, so I see no regression. I know Io's gone, it's going to be a tough transition, but... Andre Cabello is just that good. He's not going to skip a beat. The team is not going to skip a beat. They're going to keep on going. To, I, I say anything less than lead eight uh, showing this year is a disappointment.
6: There you go. There's the start of it. Herb, we thank you for your time. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for the insight. Good
4: knowledge. Thank you. Thank you, Saturday oh. suckage. Am I, <laughs> you you what? I, am I supposed to be high during this time? Are you what? Am I supposed to be high during this time? that It certainly this helps. Thing? I You know,
6: I, I, we can't advocate it, but it's certainly been a part of every other guest's lifestyle. So All right. I'll, I'll work on that, guys. Thank you. Right. Smoke weed every day. <laughs> Thanks, Herb. Bye, Herb. <laughs> I, I love Herb. That's Herb Lawrence, Illini Hunk, talking about the Bulls draft choice, talking about IO. And um, you know what? If you, if, if you get a guy who's going to work hard and what he's going to do is not stop moving and he can do a lot of different things then you got your chance, you got a chance to have a guy setting an example like that and being, getting more minutes. The more things you can do, the more minutes you're going to get. Even though I do think some NBA, not just NBA personnel or talent evaluators, I think they get caught up in the one, in all the profiles, fitting the statistics, the one good thing, the one big thing that somebody can do, as opposed to the many things a player might be able to do for you. And I think that that the Bulls may benefit by that kind of rigid hewing to a profile. I'm hoping no, there's
7: so. No, there's, there's no doubt. I, I would say, though, on the other side of that, the best example of traits and drafting that was a Tentacumpo. And, uh, you know, we know what he was when he came into the NBA, and it wasn't what he is now and that's what teams are looking for. Okay, can I mold this guy? And they mm. did do that with him. so that that is the NBA model. Herb was right on that. But yeah, that you you it's okay to have guys that are not superstars that are very good NBA players for a long time. And I think that's the projection on him.
6: He's Mark Grody. I'm Steve Rosenblum. We uh, <clears throat> we will before this hour is out bring you Tony La Russa. He was on Inside the Clubhouse with Bruce Bruce Levine and David Ha earlier. We will bring back that replay, but there's, um, but there were some exits from the city, and you know what? It's our chance in What Are You Doing, Wegner, to bring to bring Chris Tannehill to our airwaves, the genius that is Chris Tannehill as, as he says goodbye. And we're going to do that. we got some other items. That's what we'll be doing next on Saturday Suckage. Steve Rosenblum, Mark Grody, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score.
1: Call from Mom. Answer it.
6: Another near award winning segment here on the score. Steve Rosenblum, Mark Rody, with you, Saturday suckers, the Wake and Bay Club. Cub fans need it, certainly need it, because, and we get to bring you some of the genius of Chris Tannehill, producer for the Parkins and Spiegel show, longtime producer. And after what happened yesterday, he was constantly churning and turning and making He's all about goodbyes. He can be about anything else you want it to be, opens of the show, but Mark, his goodbyes have become signature, legendary, and um, and so he had many to do yesterday because the four horsemen, outlined against a blue-gray July sky, the four horsemen rode out of town. In dramatic lore, they are known as famine, pestilence, destruction, and death. These are only aliases. The real names are Bryant, Rizzo, Baez, and Kimbrell. So they were all rode out of town. And Tanny put together this for the most beloved of Cubs, Anthony Rizzo. First baseman, number 44, Anthony
2: Rizzo. Anthony Rizzo. Now Anthony's going to choke up with two strikes. Chapman staring down the Cubs dugout. Benches have cleared here in Cincinnati. Look like Rizzo got into it with somebody. He's
3: the anchor of the whole group. There's no question about it.
2: Stands right on top of the plate. Nickname should be the main ingredient or, or eggs. The main ingredient in the omelet. Quote from Joe to reporters was something to the effect of, "It's easier on the road to hire a magician than to get a 20-foot python." Runners go, swing and a miss. Hey, he got in. He got in ahead of the tag. That slide. It's magic. It's magic.
3: Did you see that? <laughs> wow. I wish all of you could be right here at this moment unbelievable atmosphere the cubs are in the national league championship series yeah maybe teams will have a target on us but every day it's not like you're not going out there and giving it your 110 percent the cubs
2: are going to the world series the cubs win the pennant
3: the indians have taken a commanding three games to one lead i made
2: sure rocky was playing every day you came we
6: came into the locker room game five and rocky theme
1: over and over again was playing
5: how were you dressed that day
2: I wasn't. <laughs> Cubs trying to win their first world title since 1908. I'm an emotional grip. It's, it's only going to get worse. A, right yeah. a little bouncer
3: slowly toward Bryant. He will glove it and throw to Rizzo. It's in time. And the Chicago Cubs win the World Series. We're the last team standing. We boat raced the whole season. And it's we're going down in history as one of the best teams to ever played this game, no doubt about it.
4: Let's just say it's been a big year for the Brazil Souvenir Company.
3: Lots of home runs. What do you know? The man's off the charts. That's
7: another
2: set. And now, ladies and gentlemen, your Chicago Cubs will raise the 2016 World Series championship banner. High game, bottom of the
3: ninth. Base Cubs win. Anthony Rizzo with a game winner. It's got a chance. Gone. And Ron, there might be a new full-time permanent leadoff, man, for the Chicago Cubs.
2: Anthony Riddle. Batting sixth and playing first base from the Chicago Cubs, Anthony Rizzo.
7: This could be our last run with all our core guys. This could be my last year Who knows? I'm enjoying every second of it. He's a
5: platinum gold winner. He is a Navy Seal type character. Here comes the crowd.
2: That's such good stuff. Away. That one can't get it. Gone. Oh my goodness! What an impact from.
3: It's no secret. I want to be a Cub for my whole career. It would be very special to do that. Right now, I can never see myself playing for another franchise.
4: Oh, we had a problem with mean, Well, you know what I mean. He's gone. And we couldn't do nothing about it. The Cubs, they are the
7: buffet table for all the contenders.
6: Chris Anne Hill presenting the exit, the brilliant exit, the coda from Layla, the piano piece Nicely done, Mark, don't you think?
7: No, it was awesome. Like, it's uh, suddenly it's quantity, yet the quality is the same from Chris. I mean, they, they've been coming fast and furiously, all these right. Cubs endings. And, you know, Rizzo and Bryant, I think, are the two most significant faces of the, the rebuild. And even though all of this is happening with the Cubs and we don't know exactly how long it will take them to get good again, The Rizzo is one of those who is symbolic of having turned the entire attitude and cultural, a culture of Cubs fans around and heightening the expectations. It's no longer cool to be the lovable losers. Cubs got to win to be cool now.
6: Well, we'll see. We'll see. I want to say they raised the expectations. David Ross said that team, those players who are gone. Raise the expectation for the players, for the front office, for ownership. I need to be convinced that that's. Remember when? Remember when? Tom Ricketts was appeared with his dad, and his father said <laughs> the his father couldn't Joe couldn't care anything about baseball, and said Tom brought to him this proposition: here's a baseball team that stinks, and they sell every ticket. Now you got my attention, Joe Ricketts said. So <laughs> so we'll see. I, I don't yeah. know. We don't know how much goodwill the the ownership has burned in this situation. Maybe they re-sign some of the guys. I still think he's going to be the first guy coming back. Rizzo. I Rizzo? Think he's going to be the guy. Yeah.
7: I don't think any of them are coming back. I don't think any Ooh. of them will. Yeah, I mean, I think, I, th- I think this was the clean break that the Cubs... Like maybe Rizzo comes back like for a final year down the road, but I think it's very complicated. But I think you know he's going to get a taste of being with another organization, and right now it hurts. He's wearing the Cubs' batting gloves when he hits the home run last night. He is attached to Chicago in many ways, but if he goes to New York with the Yankees and has a good experience, that could help to make him know there is life beyond the cubs and in 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 time the cubs organization and its fan base will know that there is life beyond anthony rizzo I, i mean i could be wrong but it doesn't usually have that kind of happy ending where a guy goes and then a guy comes back so my initial thought is that he he won't be back with the cubs but but who knows and as far as the stuff with with tom ricketts to put an optimistic spin on this you're right like he sold the cubs to his dad joe ricketts on hey this is hey, check this out we could do we could do anything but <laughs> anything on the field and we're gonna get thirty five thousand there however mm-hmm. when tom ricketts came in he fired jim henry eventually and hired the best he hired mm-hmm. theo epstein it's on his watch when joe madden comes in, and they just let Ricky Renteria twist in the wind and buy later. So he was good at letting his managers, his department bosses, do their jobs and getting out of the way. Things changed this year when, if we are to believe, trading you Darvish was a salary dump, and who knows if he had a hand in any of the trades that went down, and hey, clear the cover, because yeah, that you can get on him for. But this team was once built by... By Tom Ricketts getting out of the way, hiring the best, and then and then acquiescing to just about all of their requests, including infrastructure and rebuilding the actual buildings and clubhouses and minor league facilities and international scouting as well.
6: Yeah, money seemed to be no object, but I'm not convinced that's the case now with the yep, debt be right. load for for playing Monopoly out in Wrigleyville. I mean, I understand real estate's a great investment. But there is a price to be paid for it. So you got rooftops, and you've got a hotel, and, and and then you had a pandemic, and and how whatever is commingled or separated or however it gets divided up, I'm not convinced. And I think none of I, every uh, every one of us became disabused of the money is no object as soon as Darvish got traded, because it looked like it was all about money, no matter what they said. And Tom Ricketts had talked about biblical losses of money. And however he meant that, whatever he was, whatever met that criteria, then we saw a biblical biblical loss of talent. And now you're you're left with, well, do they lower prices? Do they give you free subscriptions to marquee? What are you really going to be watching? And Jed tried to say, watch this in the off-season, right? That's, that's really what you got, kicking the can down the road. We don't know what we're going to look like. It's not a rebuild. Maybe it's a rebuild. Might not be a rebuild. Maybe we're going to go buy. I'm just... I, I'm we're we're left with all the questions, which I think is what the sock what the Cubs wanted. They wanted those questions to exist, like we might do something.
7: Can we hear that like, again? I'm sorry to put you on the spot here, Trash Panda, but can can we hear that Jed Hoyer cut one more time? It's about a 90 second cut, and it is him addressing the idea of whether this is a rebuild or not. And I I, I actually liked what I heard because his if you listen to his tone. There is something genuine about it whereas before i thought they were hiding behind the idea of a rebuild and being intentionally ambiguous about it but i think this was and everybody loves to use the word transparent i think this is actually as transparent and even if you don't like the answer it's it's about as honest if you listen to the tone that jed hoyer has been since being the big boss of the cubs
1: i don't know what the definition of a rebuild is i think that I think you should wait until you see after we, what we do this winter to decide what we're going to do. Like, I don't know what we're going to do yet. So no one knows what we're going to do yet. We're going to sit down and we're going to figure out the right path to try to build a, a championship team. And like, sometimes that path might ma- might mean like letting the garden grow for a long time because you need to let those prospects mature. And sometimes it may mean accelerating it through free agencies. Like I don't know the answer, but like this idea that like, anyone knows how we're going to pursue it. I don't know yet. We're going to do the right thing strategically. And I think we have to figure that out. And, you know, sometimes opportunities are what determine that. So when we came in here in 2011, you know, people wanted us to to bid on Albert pools and people wanted us to bid on Prince Fielder. And we didn't do that. And part of why we didn't do that is the CBA rules changed. And we realized at that moment, like, uh Oh, we can't reload as fast as we did in Boston. You know, we, we can't, overspend in the draft and we can't create opportunities the way we did then. So we sort of pivoted and we went in a different direction and I don't know what's going to happen with this CBA. I don't know what's going to happen with the landscape. So, I mean, I guess I'm rambling about, I don't know where we're going to go, but I promise you the entire focus is going to be on, you know, how do we figure out how we get to, like I said, have the next great, great, great Cubs team, because people expect, deep postseason runs like people here haven't been satisfied with early exits or or wild cards. And that's awesome. And so that's what we need to provide the fans
7: for better or for worse. Jed Hoyer is processing all of this and he has a number (laughs) of different directions in which he can, can go. And that's, do you know what I mean about the tone though? I mean, clearly he is speaking from his heart and his brain right there. Look, look, Here's the deal. <laughs> I don't know what we're going to he do. Stole
6: the, he knows who stole the Provasic.
7: Right. That's right. Exactly.
6: But the <clears> I, <throat> I, I I think you're right, and I think that was looking at the way he looked like a he was part of a hostage crisis when you saw those pictures on Zoom. That that is the he, he aged like a president during this period, <laughs> this trade deadline, and working up to it. Um, ever since he had that pres that press conference or that he met with the media where he pretty much said don't say rebuild it's not going to be like the other rebuild but for him to start that whole statement mark by saying i don't know what a rebuild is that's a load of crap he, he went through a rebuild here and they won a world series
7: he knows what that's a so rebuild true is. yeah that it's was a, a rebuild of, of all rebuild that was one of the right the most uh quintessential rebuilds in sports history really right i mean exactly 100 lost teams um, Nate Shearholtz and right field I mean the whole thing I mean <laughs> that was Mike Holt at third base you know um, so that's Edwin Jackson as your your ace that that is that's a rebuild that's a lose on purposely that's a go get blatantly go get your top draft picks uh, make them go down to the minor leagues for service time I mean the whole thing and it was great embrace it They crushed a rebuild, Theo Epstein and Jed Hoyer. They did it to a T. Now, I guess there's a new version of that coming. And as he did point out, like with CBA and a different way of doing business than it was in 2012 and 2013, now they have to decide what is the best way to do it. How can we, what's the next way of quote unquote beating the system and doing it better than everybody else? And that's what Jed Hoyer has to figure out.
6: Yeah, it is. It is. It, it, baseball continues to, to punish the smart and <clears throat> promote the stupid, and that's what they've done. They've protected the stupid in this, and, and that's why they, Jed and Theo went the way they did. So we'll see what the next version calls for. Um, before we go, I did want to... This I, I'm not saying there's going to be a Sox brawl today, but there might be a Sox brawl today. Uh, the quotes from Franmil Reyes... After Jose Abreu got hit in that, beaned—that's the accurate version of bean he got hit in his bean. He took a fastball in the side of his there head. You go. Yep. Right. So, <clears throat> so he gets hit, bases loaded, they get a run, and they're going to win the game. But how he feels today, I don't know. But Framio Reyes, who tied the game off Ryan Tapera, who's not allowed to show up at, at Guaranteed Rate Field anymore for the rest of his life, and even after um, Reyes said, because the, the, there's LaRusso running onto the field and there's a bunch of, and, and the bench is empty and nothing really happens, but it sounded like that was the start of what might be completed or continued today. Reyes' quote was, I don't know what they were trying to do with what they showed there. It was inside of the group and was hitting a lot of bad things that I didn't like personally. I have to say this, that's why I came here. If any of our players gets hit, this is personal. Like, we're not going to try to hit nobody on purpose. So me, personally, I'm not taking anything on purpose. It's a big problem if they hit me. That's all I got. I'm sorry. So the Indians are allowed to throw up and in on the White Sox best hitter the, and the the. White Sox are not allowed to throw up and in on Franville Reyes or any Indians player or Guardians player. None of the Guardians are allowed <laughs> to get pitched inside, and I just I'm thinking, this is this is throwing down the gauntlet. This is this is heading for trouble. This is this is daring the White Sox to throw inside, and a bench emptying with some fists. Punches thrown. Maybe I'm misreading it. What do you well,
7: think? Well, it's uh, for whatever it's worth. It is Dallas Keuchel against Tristan McKenzie. That's your pitching matchup. Here's the only thing that I would say, as to maybe perhaps that not escalating today, is that, and you'll hear from Tony Larusa here in just a little bit on all of that. But it sounded like, even though it didn't look like it, between Tony Larusa and Roberto Perez, they ended up in their whatever their conversation was it seemed like they had come to some sort of understanding and the pitcher who hit Abreu in the head Karen he he and Abreu seemed to talk it out after Abreu finally took first base and everything had been cleaned up and and it seemed like those two were okay that doesn't mean that something won't happen today but I I felt like to some degree things were settled during that whatever it was benches clearing, not brawl, but conversation and hold me back.
6: Yeah, yeah. Abreu kind of embraced him, and that that's all well yeah. and good. That doesn't that doesn't mean Michael Kopech might not let a hundred mile an hour thing slip inside. And, you are uh, And here you go, and that's hundred miles an hour of real hurt. Yeah. So. big hurt. All right. I do not. I just, just as a heads up, just as a, just bookmark it, earmark it. All right. We're gonna take a break. When we come back, we will, uh, we'll have a replay of Tony Larusa interview. And they'll start with Tony, racing Tony Larusa rushing out there to to home plate and and, and what did? Well, wait. What was it again? Lance Lynn said, heining his ass off to get out there.
7: I love that. It, it it is no. a very you have to see the video in this case. It is that's he right. does look slightly ridiculous.
6: That's right. All right. This is Saturday Suckage, Chicago Sports Radio, six seventy. The score.
2: Oh, oh, goodness! It hit him in the helmet. Oh wow! Jose Abreu got hit in the batting helmet, and it's six four. But that's not important right now. Jose just got drilled and now there's some barking going on at home plate and they're going to empty the benches but look Abreu Abreu is still woozy and now the benches have cleared this is the second time Jose Abreu has been hit by the first pitch tonight Jason Benetti describing the
6: action NBC Sports Chicago Jose Abreu got beamed. And there was Tony La Russa high kneeing his ass off getting out there as Lance Lynn described it. <laughs> so we will bring you Tony La Russa right after this. Wanna thank Mark for for being here on our yep. post-trade deadline, post trade deadline analysis day thing.
7: It was my pleasure to be here. I made this the, the training camp sacrifice today, but I will be back out at Soldier Field on Tuesday. Yeah. First full pads, ladies and gentlemen, will occur on Tuesday at Soldier Field, and I'll also be hosting for a little while that night, so I'll have a full report for you. And I'll actually be hosting 6 to 10 on Monday as There's- well. Can There's we... Can we? I,
1: I know at some point we need to bring up... We'll bring this up next week, but I want to discuss in depth the fact that the Bears are having family day at noon on a Tuesday. I just want to... We, we got to get into
4: that next week.
6: Sounds good okay, to me. Okay, you and Mark can get into that. I uh, will not be allowed on next week's show. I've already been told that somebody important listened to the show, so I have to be uh, off next week. Uh, Either gotta, that or they got a, they got a late... <laughs> they got a late drug test and they said that I passed it, so that could be a problem for the Wake and Bay Club. But... You two have a lovely conversation. I want to thank Trash Panda you heard there for producing this epic. Thank Evan Altman, Cubs Insider, Jim Margalla, Sox Machine, and Herb Lawrence of the Score, Illini Honk, for talking with us today. And we had our one caller. We want to thank our audience for calling in, Skyler from somewhere, and like that, Skyler.
7: Now, Skyler, right? You get what I'm doing? Uh, when I do that, that's uh, Breaking yeah. Bad, Skyler. Skyler, right.
6: Jesse, right.
7: Skyler. Skyler,
6: (laughs) you're right. I forgot her name was Skyler. (laughs) All righty then. So we'll continue Saturday Sockage whenever we're allowed to. Now we will continue. We'll bring you the replay of Tony LaRusso's interview with Bruce Levine and David Haw on Inside the Clubhouse earlier this morning. Thanks for listening. Here you go.
5: The manager of the first place Chicago White Sox Tony Larusa, nice enough to take some time on a Saturday morning to join us on Inside the Clubhouse. Tony, good morning. How are you today? Uh, I know you're getting your cardio uh, this morning. I know you got you got some of it last night. I know I know you're always ready to go.
3: Well, I, you know the line I use all the time because it's true. Of, I don't know how the day's going to go until we get to the end of the game because it's kind of stupid if you say, "Hey, we had a good day," and you get beat. Very simple life. Win a game, good day. Lose a game, not a good day. So we'll wait and see.
5: Yeah, David, you should know that when you talk to Tony on a daily basis and you just say, <laughs> how are you doing? Uh, the right. response is always, I'll let you know uh, in the ninth inning. And uh, that, that's, just, <laughs> that's just standard for you, Tony. I, I've heard it for 40 years, and I know you mean it. And uh, White Sox fans, again, Saw the passion of your team and your passion yesterday uh, when uh, Ho- Jose Abreu was hit for the second time in the game, got hit in the head, and uh, you uh, motored out there like I haven't seen you motor out for a long time to uh, make sure that things were okay. But you were you were upset.
3: Well, it's it's uh, the scariest thing in baseball, I think, is when somebody you know gets thrown that near the head area and actually gets hit, even if you dismiss them. It's very scary, and nowadays, a lot of guys are throwing harder. A lot of guys are younger. that don't have command, and it's, it's, a, it's more dangerous than ever. So, you know, my problem yesterday was he got hit, and my, I was upset. Uh, there was never any question that it was intentional. And that's what I made sure I let the Indians know. But when a guy, you know, their reliever is really good, but his command that day was just bad. I mean, that's one reason we got that rally. And if you don't have command, it's very dangerous to call a ball inside. And that's that's that was why I was upset. And then I was absolutely concerned about Jose. Tony, was that the message that you were or the question you were asking Roberto Perez when you charged out of the dugout and and approached him in the way that you did? Yeah, yeah, I did. I said, "Get away from you!" You called. It. He said, "Well, we didn't mean to hit him." I said, "Well, let me ask you: Did did you call the ball in?" He said, "Yes." Well, I said, "But that's." then that's the reason he's laying down there, because this guy doesn't have command. And then, you know, everybody got around there, and that's, you know, and I talked to their manager tomorrow. He's he's a pro, and and, and yeah, there isn't anybody in baseball that, that, I saw the pitcher went over and apologized to to Jose. I mean, there isn't anybody in baseball that likes it, but it's just, it's more dangerous now than ever for what I said. Guys are throwing harder, and they're younger without command. And if you don't have command, it's, you know, it's not an excuse to say, It wasn't intentional because you did try to throw the ball inside. If you don't have command, don't pitch in. Tony, it was a wacky game. It was an emotional day. The White Sox make some big moves this week. You get your second baseman from Cleveland. You get Ryan Tepera for your bullpen. But I think everybody's still talking about Craig Kimbrell joining the bullpen. You now have two of the best closers in the game. We saw Liam Hendricks last night remind everybody why he's one of those guys. How would you describe the problem and who gets the ball in the ninth inning more times than not? Well, I uh, I said yesterday that we have a plan and I wasn't gonna talk about it until I uh, made sure I communicated it to I talked to Liam about it and I wanted to make sure that Craig heard it as well because that's where you should do it. You know, you shouldn't read about it, what the plan is. So, you know, I'm gonna I'm, today when I when I talk to the guys, you know, Bruce and everybody I'll I'll tell the plan because I would have had my conversation with Craig, but there's a way that we're going to work it out. And, uh, and uh, we're really, really fortunate because at the bottom line, what Kenny and Rick were thinking is if we, if we continue to have, you know, win games at a good pace, you, you know, you have the problem that Liam uh, has to go out there. And if you push it too far, he gets hurt. There go your chances. So, we really don't want to do that. Now we have the depth to uh, try to win the game, and we have two great guys that can pitch not just the ninth but the eighth as well.
5: That's the voice of Tony Larusa live on the score. This is inside the clubhouse. David Hall, Bruce Levine, every Saturday, nine to noon, nine to eleven, rather, uh, fifty-two weeks out of the year. And Tony, is it my imagination or did Hendricks have? more, uh, fire last night than, I mean, look, the guy's a high energy guy. We're used to seeing great energy and great results out of Liam Hendricks. But last night, uh, it looked like he was pitching like a guy with his hair on fire. I mean, the breaking ball was as good as I've ever seen his breaking ball. The fastball was uh, hitting a hundred. Do you, you think there was a little more incentive, uh, with, with the Kimberl trade or was that just my imagination?
3: No, I, I I think, first of all, he never goes out there where his motivation is not really, really high. I mean, he's he, he could be a quiet day with nobody in the stands, and he's fired up because he loves to compete. I think the biggest thing was it still bothers him to get the home run in Kansas City. You know, he doesn't accept that very well. That was, you know, it was a win that didn't become a win, and I think that was the reason because, you know, this may be a good thing for fans to know, Actually, Liam and Craig have a relationship uh, along with their wives. They know each other. Uh, so it's not like, you know, we're bringing in somebody that uh, they have to develop a relationship. They already have it. Uh, I, think, I think, Liam, you saw some of the anger from uh, what happened in Kansas City a couple of nights ago.
0: <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com?